you good people don't know how fortunate you are. You Lucky do not people. know. You, are, you do not know how fortunate. Right before I pushed the start <laughs> button, we stopped singing. <laughs> Saved so, by the bell you were. Oh, my goodness. I mean, we could sing for you, but then again, you know. You'd never we, listen again. You'd never so listen. We <laughs> be the end of it. So. Welcome to the show, the big show, the non-musical show. <laughs> Neither one of us, she can at least sing like in a choir and stuff. Me, right out. I break auto-tune, okay? <laughs> Welcome to the show, the big show, the largest and most important, critically acclaimed, <laughs> excuse me, Prepper podcast Coughing, filmed in our cough, car. Cough podcast recorded in our car. And we're on the road today, as usual, heading uh, south oh. at the moment. So we're here to talk about um, clocks. She's looking at me no? like, tick, tick, ticks, tick, ticks, but tick, not talks, ticks, but not talks. And it's like a, a riddle. We're but also the, here to talk this, about this is TikTok limes, and it's got nothing to do with scurvy oh, or sailors. Okay, because frankly, if your food preps do not include sufficient vitamin C, what the heck were you thinking? I do know somebody who has such bad nutrition that she started getting scurvy. Yeah, as an adult in modern America, where everything my is fortified with vitamin C because they know we don't. This. You know, they were the the diagnosis came back scurvy, and I'm just like, which is a serious disease. Don't get me wrong; it's a terrible disease, but it is so preventable. But this isn't about scurvy. No, this is about this is TikTok, a different kind TikTok. of Lyme disease. TikTok, get it, get it. TikTok. I got it. I, TikTok. TikTok. I got it. Yeah. yeah. We're talking about tick. Most ticks, most specifically Lyme disease. Now, there are many, many, many tick-borne diseases, but Lyme is one of the big ones. It hits out east, as I recall. It is the single uh, most commonly diagnosed vector-borne illness in North America. So we're going to let her sit here and tell you all about it because she's been doing the research show for writing the story that accompanies this podcast, this award-winning. We, okay, we've never won an award. I'm lying. But this this should be award-winning. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to be, you know, the actor community and make up a bunch of awards to give ourselves. We could. Then we'd be award-winning. My aside, you want to you know something salty is... Bo- Guaranteed not to do, of course, we don't watch TV anyway. The one thing we're guaranteed not to do, salty and spice, is sit around and watching important people on award Self shows, important people. self-important people, uh, sit around themselves. and tell each other how important that they are. Yeah. This is just not going not to happen. happen. So most political discussion shows are right out to. Right out the door. Anyway, TikTok, TikTok, Lyme disease. So... What you got here is basically everywhere outside in major portions of North America, as well as the rest of the world, are crawling with uh, eight-legged bloodsuckers who would love to parasitize you and suck your blood. Ticks. And, and nobody's if, fond of them. If you can't except f- possums, who eat tons of those guys. Do what? Possums eat tons of ticks. Do they? They are just 
they are a tick's worst nightmare. Do when we... they make Jason movies in the tick world, they star opossums. I'm guessing that we should probably have some possums out at our place. We, we have opossums out at our place. Yeah, because and I'm sure they help keep the tick population down, but they make could, plenty. You couldn't really tell. Yeah, they do make plenty. Uh, but anyway, ticks are all over the place, and ticks are a very good way for parasitic microorganisms to get from one warm-blooded host to another. And so there are a bunch of tick-borne diseases, and the most abundant of them in the U.S. is Lyme disease. And Lyme disease is transmitted by a bacterium whose name is Borrelia. And this Borrelia bacterium spends most of its life in the guts of ticks. And then when the ticks feed, if the ticks are on there sucking for a while, a sufficient number of the bacteria will manage to work their way upstream and get into the host. And then the bacteria get in the host and you get this uh, bacterial disease we call Lyme disease. Is it going to bust your groove if I ask you a question right here? Not at all. So does that mean that the quicker you get the tick off, the fat, the better chances you have of not contracting any nasty stuff? If you get the tick off within 24 hours, you are probably not going to get Lyme disease. If you get the tick off within 36 hours, you are pretty likely not to get Lyme disease. If it's 48 hours before you find the tick, all bets are off. But here's the problem. For those of you who have not spent way too much of your life looking at diagrams of life cycles of various um, small, creepy, crawly things, as I may have done, uh, there are three life stages to most ticks. When they first hatch, they're little bitty tiny larval ticks. And since they are generally not successful at piercing the skin of humans, we don't generally worry about those guys a whole lot. Those guys mostly parasitize uh, mice. In our part of the woods, they mostly parasitize Paramiscus leucopus, the white-footed deer mouse. Which are cuter than anything. Cuter, cuter than heck. <laughs> cute little... They're adorable little suckers. They're way more adorable than house mice because of their nice furry tails. And they're smaller. And bee too. guys. Yeah. With these big, huge eyes. They'll, they'll just stare at you with these big, huge eyes. Big, terrified eyes. Generally. You're going, oh, please don't eat me. Yeah. I know, I came in a litter of 32 mice. Most of us were spared. Most of us were spared. I don't want to die today. Please don't eat me. That's what they look at you like. They do. Uh, But after the larval ticks feed, they fall off. They use their blood meal. They grow. They molt. And they molt out something that we always called seed ticks when I was a kid. Because they're about the size of a pinhead or a small seed. And those guys go out and they hang out on vegetation. And they wait until they smell some carbon dioxide emanations from a nice warm host. And then they crawl on that host and feed again. Again, the deer mice host most of the nymph ticks in our part of the woods. Because they're still pretty small. Yeah. But they're now big enough that their pincers can penetrate human flesh. So seed ticks can feed on people. And that's the problem. Because if the mouse was infected with the Borrelia bacterium, it doesn't make the mice sick, by the way. The mouse was infected. The larval tick gets on it. The larval tick feeds. Now the larval tick's carrying the bacterium. When it becomes a nymph, it's still got the bacteria. So when it bites the person, it transmits the bacteria to the person. 
Now, some people won't get sick with this because their immune systems will successfully squash the infection. But a bunch of people will get sick with this, and they'll have Lyme disease. About 50 to 70% of the people who end up testing positive for Lyme disease were never aware that they were bitten by a tick. So that means a lot of them are getting bitten by nymphs and don't know they're getting bitten by nymphs. And the nymphs feed and fall off without the person ever realizing they had this little seed tick on them somewhere. But they got the bacteria anyway. Uh, Sometimes the adult ticks will also carry it. It's the black-legged tick or the deer tick is another name for it. Ixodes is the genus name of the tick that carries these guys. Um, They will also sometimes get on people and they will also transmit the disease, but they are bigger and easier to see. So that's the story of how people get Lyme disease. Most infections right now are actually in kind of suburban environments, people doing gardening and stuff like that and not being careful. But those who hang out in the woods are at higher risk per time spent out in the woods because there's so many ticks out there. Now, most of the ticks that we see at the place, that we see, are the big ones. Those are full-grown tick, tick, ticks. Yeah. Although sometimes when the neighbor's dogs come by for a visit, I'll notice they have a lot of seed ticks feeding on them. Yeah, we don't we don't have dogs running out there, and and uh, they need dogs. they need to do some some tick control on the dogs. Now I don't know. I am not a, a veterinary person, even slightly. Nor do I play one on the internet. I know that there are a lot of different ways of having pest. Uh, uh, pest control on your animals and i know that some of them are while effective are very destructive to the animal's health but this is way beyond the, the scope of this podcast because i don't know what i'm talking about but so but there are ways um um so since a lot of people don't know they get bitten by the tick how do you know you got lyme disease Well, Lyme disease comes in three stages, you see. In the first stage, pretty soon after the tick bit you, you get uh, the general illness kinds of stuff. You get the fever. You get the not feeling very good. You get uh, muscle and joint aches, but nothing's swelling up yet. That kind of generalized achiness that you often get when you get sick. (coughs) But if it's Lyme disease, you might also get some facial paralysis where you can't seem to make all the normal facial expressions, your face is kind of stiff and mask-like. You might not get that in the very first stage, though. There's also a rash, and it's kind of a different-looking rash. It's called a bullseye rash, because it's a red ring rash, and then it will usually have a paler ring inside there, and then you go back to a little bit deeper red, so it looks kind of like a bullseye with concentric rings. That bullseye rash is pretty characteristic for Lyme disease. About 75% of the people who get Lyme disease get the bullseye rash at the side of the bite pretty soon after, which means that 25% don't get the rash. But if you see the rash, you probably got Lyme. And if you got Lyme, you probably want to jump on it with antibiotics. And the best antibiotic, the most commonly... I am not a doctor. 
I'm not playing one on the internet. I'm not giving you recommendations. I'm telling you I read the medical literature. And what they said was that uh, doxycycline was a good one and amoxicillin was a good one. And in the accompanying story, I put in a handy chart that I lifted from one of the, uh, I think it was the Centers for Disease Control reference I got that from, on how you dose to get rid of Lyme disease when you catch it early. Again, we are not doctors. We are not recommending this. If you see or suspect, if if you have any kind of illness, you should see a medical care provider as quickly as possible. Yeah, if you've got access to a real doctor, you don't be trying to do this stuff on your own because they can do an antibody test and see if it's really Lyme. Right. And then after they treat you, they can do another test to see if the sucker's gone. Self-diagnosis kind of really is, is, is just not the best choice here. It, it's not. Even if you're a doctor, it's not the best choice. I mean, think of how many things can give you fever, malaise, and generic rash. The list is almost endless. Right. So you should definitely see your doctor. Now, <laughs> if there is no doctor. Sometimes you don't have access to one, and that's one of the things we prep for. Right. Which is... And whatever's kind of going with this, the uh, the way that you would get uh, antibiotics that are not from your doctor is far outside the scope of this particular uh, article and podcast. So yeah, but we are letting you know what they are because there are options, and we're not going to talk about them right now. There are options; you can choose them. Wanted you to know about them. Make your own decisions. That's right. But we're not recommending anything, except for go see your doctor. Okay, so... Okay, now all the legal niceties are out of the way. Not just legal, either. I'm serious. No, really, seriously, yeah, you should go see your doctor. I've I've been to see my doctor many times with something I knew I had diagnosed. I went on to the, you're dying, no matter what you do, you cut your finger, you're dying of cancer site. He had had pancreatic (laughs) cancer because he had a blister on his... Yeah, uh, this kind of, you know, that kind of site. WebMD will do that, for example. And we're not going to name, we're not going to name websites like WebMD or anything like that. We wouldn't <laughs> name names of these sites that are killing you. Hypochondriac sites. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I need to stay off of that place. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Salty tends to be a bit on the hypochondriac Just side, think? so I, I kind of try and act as the filter there. But anyway, no, no. Here's my aside. <clears throat> I usually give it a few days. But I am much quicker to pull the trigger on going to the doctor than she is. She does not go to the doctor nearly. She is. She does not practice what she preaches when it comes to going to the doctor. Um, I except for do when I she does. I don't need them. I I go See? when I need yeah. advice. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I don't there self-treat because I think I know what I'm doing. I can't All help right. it. I'm healthier than you are. What can I? Say? Well, it's not just that. <laughs> Okay, let's move on before we get into something. Yeah, we're into, what? Here. What is this? <laughs> Moving on. You can't uh, help us that you didn't get bitten by that huge... spider. <laughs> Come on, I was I was out hiking. I got bit by a spider. What can I say? I didn't it, say it was your fault. I got bit. And after the immediate illness has passed, if it's Lyme disease, which mine wasn't, you'll get into an intermediate stage. And yeah. in that intermediate stage, it'll be a kind of random and hard to track down in a way because a joint will hurt and it will swell up often knees 
but a day or two later, it'll be fine. And maybe the other knee does it after a little bit. And again, this knee swelling thing, this could be any, you know. It could be lots of things. It could be lots of things. That uh, bullseye rash can pop up, but then it'll go away and it'll pop up somewhere else. And then it'll go away and it'll pop up somewhere else. It migrates, as they say. And the neurological thing with the facial nerve getting infected and having the facial paralysis is more common now in this stage. Some people also see neurological issues like uh, mood changes. They get really moody. And uh, sometimes they get uh, have these outbursts of anger, aggressiveness, irritation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, sometimes they get a lot of fatigue. They're just really worn out, and they don't know why. That is an intermediate stage kind of thing, and that can also still be treated with antibiotics usefully. After all that, if you treat it with the antibiotics and get rid of it, there can be this thing called post-treatment Lyme disease. And if you go to the Internet, guys, on this one, you'll probably get it wrong. Because there is a bunch of people out there who have decided that large-dose, long-term, IV-often treatments with multiple antibiotics, sometimes for months on end, is the way to treat post-treatment Lyme disease where you've got these brain fogs and bad memory and a lot of fatigue, a lot of muscle aches, joints swell up now and then. That's post-treatment Lyme. But when you check the blood of these guys, you can't find any sign of the disease anymore. And you can't find any sign that the immune system's still fighting the disease. But they did have Lyme disease, and they've still got these things. So the post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome is really a thing. The problem is that some people have decided that the way to treat it is with these ridiculous, heavy, long-term doses of antibiotics. Because... Well, that was very loud. You probably just heard a motorcycle passing us. It's (laughs) a guy who's going to leave a lot of his skin on the roadway in the fairly near future would be Yeah, driving like that. So, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's not a prepper. Yeah, that wasn't the wisest choice ever. Anyway. And may I may I offer another observation while we're on the subject? There's a reason that young people who buy crotch rocket motorcycles have to pay that much in insurance. Oh, this one's even better. The one that's coming past us now. At least oh, it's they're quieter. probably buddies racing with each other. Yeah, that one's a little coming a little closer to being Anyway, He's driving a little yeah, there's time. a reason that uh, a 21-year-old driving a crotch rocket is going to pay $600 a month in insurance. And no, I'm not joking. That's really what it will cost. Because that person's going to die. Yeah, it's probably going to be three months before he trashes it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, pressing right along. Yeah. Uh, so this post-treatment Lyme disease, it is a thing if you don't get the Lyme disease treated effectively with antibiotics. Um In about 60% of cases of Lyme disease that were never treated with antibiotics, you'll end up with post-treatment Lyme disease. In the people that were treated with antibiotics, it still pops up sometimes. So it's a thing. 
And some people are willing to take your money and treat you with these large dose antibiotics. And they point to the fact that, hey, I treated these people. And in a bunch of these people, the symptoms eventually went away. Yay. Yay me. I had to treat them for a year and a half with antibiotics, but they did get better. Here's the deal. When you do controlled trials, blinded trials, high-quality research trials, and you do that with some people and you just run, say, saline or sugar pills for the other group, they both recover at pretty much the same rate. So, yeah, post-treatment Lyme disease often does go away, but there's no real improvement in it going away if you take the antibiotics long-term. Okay, there might be a slight improvement in a couple of the measures, but a lot of the people have serious side effects from all the antibiotics. Yeah, you do. I mean, long-term antibiotics are, they've got to be, last possible choice of treatment. And probably not even a choice of treatment in proper world because no, antibiotic supplies are you're not. Yeah, where are you going to go get, get uh, uh, drip antibiotics? If it were saltier eye that had these and it grids down, no medical care, nothing else we can do about it. if it were saltier eye that were showing these things, I would probably treat it with antibiotics in the uh, acute stage. But I would not attempt post-treatment Lyme disease antibiotic treatment. I just wouldn't do it. The Here's cost point. is in health from the antibiotics is too high for the projected gains. Here's my concern, and I'm sure you'll back me up on this one. When we talk about what we would do if, you know, we did not have access to doctors, if we didn't have access to medicines, we won't do that if we do. We will we not absolutely do that if we have will to real not do that. We have access to real doctors. We have access to a pharmacy. We're going to take the pharmaceuticals from the pharmacy, not from the veterinary supply store. If I got to get on my bicycle and ride for a day to get to a physician who actually knows what they're doing so I can get quality advice and a good source of materials... I'm doing that because I think that people who try and self-diagnose stuff like this, those drugs are prescription for a reason. They, It's tricky to use them right, and there's a lot of downsides to using them wrong, and there's significant potential downsides to using them right. I mean, they've got a side effect profile that is worth paying attention to. And So if you don't take the professional advice on that, you're doing yourself a real disservice. And you're doing all of us a disservice, especially on antibiotics. If you oh, yeah. do not take if them properly, right. then you're putting us at risk. From People. antibiotic resistance problems. Now, with antibiotic and resistance, we've done articles, we've done podcasts on them, but it's a real, it's a real, real problem. thing. And people abusing antibiotics, uh, man, you're, you're making it hard for all of us to, to, to live. So far, the antibiotic resistance has not shown up in the Borrelia bacteria that carry Lyme. I found no concern about that when I was reading up on this. Right, but if you... But it yeah. very easily would if people started treating themselves stupidly. Yeah, oh, I'm feeling better after three days. I'll stop taking my antibiotics. No! Yeah. But I had a, I had a problem. 
and they weren't sure exactly whether it was this, this, or this. And so they gave me a shot in the rump of antibiotics. And then they came back with the lab report several days later saying, okay, it isn't a something that an antibiotic could knock. It may still be viral because that wasn't what they were testing for, but it's not something that... But I'm not done with the treatment. I'm not done with the antibiotic treatment. So what do I do? I finish it out at the, anyway. After the rump. Because yeah. you don't want to just stress the bacteria enough to cause them to be resistant and then let the resistant bacteria hang around. Right. You go big or go home. And in this situation, you know, they say I don't have the bacteria. This was a this was one of these kind of more of an acute situation. Hey, let's see if we can knock this down now. And I'm not going to go into the details of it. Um, but let's see if we can knock this down now. And this is not a, a really dangerous treatment profile, so we'll just go ahead and do it. But I might have had other things in my body that could have become resistant to that that antibiotic if I just stopped taking it after a few days. It also could have been a bacterium that the lab test didn't pick up. Because Absolutely. it doesn't pick up every day. And they thing. may have different, I may have had different things going on in me that make those bacteria resistant. So whenever you get a, uh, a prescription for antibiotics and it's X many days, you take it on out. No matter how you feel, true. No matter if it's making you go to the go to the toity all the time. No matter what, with this particular one, it was upsetting my stomach. But I finished it out. So. So, uh, by the way, Salty was right about it being largely in the Northeast. This particular tick that carries this particular bacterial disease. It's most abundant in the Northeast. Yeah, that, so, that's that's where the heart of it is. Like yeah. here, we have you're more likely to catch heartland, heartland virus. virus than you are Lyme, but you can Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Yeah, because yeah, we're kind of heartlands are really kind of our tick, but the others are here. You can get all three of them and other stuff too, but it's just not quite as. Yeah, Lyme prevalent. isn't likely here, but since it's the most abundant in the U.S., they're getting more than thirty thousand cases a year now. I thought it was worth it because we have a lot of readers probably who hang out on the East Coast. Also, the Great Lakes region is an area of concentration for right. Lyme disease, and there's the Pacific Northwest. Right. And Pacific Northwest, specifically in in uh, northern Northwest and then into the Canadian provinces, uh, you know, out there. Yeah. Up that, uh, just your off black the whole coast. chicks in that, in that part of the country aren't as deeply infected as the ones on the east coast of the U.S., but there's enough of it that they're getting a large number of cases there. So, tick-tock, tick-tock. Prevention from tick bites is a much better idea. We will link one of the stories I did on that lately. Uh, trust me, even when it's 95 degrees and I'm working out at the place, if I'm moving through the tall grass and moving through the woods... I got on the hat and the long sleeves and the long pants and everything's coated with permethrin and I got my socks over the tops of my pant legs. No it, does how look it, it does not I've look stylish. I've seen style. too many seed ticks trying to crawl up across the socks and then they 
kind of croak and fall off because of the permethrin. I've actually seen them do that. And they don't necessarily me. die, but they at least go. Bleh! No, they, they're quite dead. Good. All eight, all eight legs curled up. Good for them. Stone cold. Yeah. So yeah, and anyway, it's something that that is preventable at least for the most part. So. Yeah. So protect yourself from the bites, but if you're in one of those areas and you start and getting those things, also once you get done, even if you're protected like that, do a self inspection. Yeah. Because uh, if you can find them and get shuck down out of your clothing and know where ticks go, they're going to come up your leg. They're going to come around your waist. They having something tight against the skin helps them burrow in. So you usually find them at waistbands. And where leg presses against body and in armpits. Those are the most common places. And knee, knee uh, joints. Socks. Right where s- socks attach and yeah. f- shoes press on feet, they'll crawl down. So check the kids. Yeah. Well, the the couple, pets can carry it, but they don't tend to get sick with Lyme. A couple of weeks ago, she's like, can you check out this spot? She turns around and and because she could feel that there was something there. And it was a skeeter bite. It wasn't a... It wasn't a tick, but she could tell there was a lump, and it was in the middle of her back. She couldn't tell. And I'd been But out. it was right where a waistband would be. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, we check it out, and then she had a skeeter bite. So, there you are. Okay. So, ticks. I hate them. Ticks bad. Ticks bad. Keep no them scurvy. Off. No Lyme disease. Yeah. It, the scurvy. There's just no excuse to get scurvy. Unrelated except by the lime juice, and it's not even spelled the same. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> All right. Bye.